morning, everybody. for inviting me to speak. Uh, it's always a, a gift to be here. And, you know, I haven't been to this meeting in person in such a long time. And like, the last time, I believe, was um, when you were in your previous location. And uh, this is it's a great space. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really happy to be here. It's nice to be in person, to see people, and uh, and we can say the prayer in a synchronous way. <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice. Um, so anyway, you know, I, I know a lot of you in the room, but not everybody. So basically... To what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And so, briefly to qualify, um, you know, I've been up and down the same 30 to 35 pounds for just years and years. You know, up and down and up and down. And um, you know, the, the first set of diets. The first time I went on one of the diets, it, it, you know, if I go on a diet, I can lose weight. But at the time, you know, I thought I'm never going to gain it back. That's the end of it. I'm not gaining weight. It's, it's done. And I know other people gain weight back and whatever, but that's not going to happen to me. And then sure enough, given enough time and enough little this and that, it all came back. And then I thus began the roller coaster of the up and down of like, uh, you know, I'd, I'd get disgusted enough with myself to go on another diet and then lose the weight. And then, lo and behold, it would come back. And so I thought self-disgust was a good thing at that time. I thought that was the driver of the next diet. So that's good. This is, isn't that positive? <laughs> you know, and so um, basically this went on, you know, for my adult life, essentially. And then, you know, at one point I, I came to the program, it was like 2009, and um, life wasn't quite unmanageable enough, but I, I went to some meetings and I, you know, it was all warm and fuzzy and I, I actually shared in those meetings and everything was lovely, but I never got a sponsor, I never worked the steps, I never did any, never took any of the actions that you're supposed to take. So I went away, and then two years later, in 2011, life became unmanageable enough. And part of what's, what that was about was um, it was the perfect storm of a work situation and <coughs> family of origin business. And um, between the two of those things, basically the work situation, it ended, it, it, it was um, where basically part of my situation ended, and it was a fancy way of getting, saying I got fired. So I was still there like a day a week, and, but I, you know, I was in such a state of pain and shame and self-loathing and everything. And, you know, I said to my partner, I said, uh, you know, I think I, I think I need a 12-step program again. And she's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Sure. Um, so the big thing was I, I went back to OA in 2011, and I really listened this time. But I, you know what, I was struck mute because of the shame. I couldn't talk, and I just didn't want to share. I, so I, I felt like I was invisible. I remember the first meeting I went back to, it was Hill Street, Friday morning, 7.30 a.m. And at the time, you know, there were maybe 40 people in the room at 7.30 in the morning. And I thought, oh, good, I can hide. I'm invisible. Nobody's going to see me. <laughs> and the joke was I realized not too long after that that every single person knew that they had never met me. So kind of <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was hiding. I was like, okay, I'm invisible. And that was comfortable, you know. But um, so but the, thing that, the things that people said in the rooms were, um, you know, get a sponsor, work the steps, find somebody you'll take direction from. And all those things, I listened and I thought, well, I'm not really good at taking direction. I always say this, I'd rather give it than take it, you know. And, um, but I listened. I thought, I had, this is the last house on the block because I was so afraid I was going to gain like 50 or 75 pounds at that point because I was in such a state. I thought, I am, 
I'm so dejected, moral. I mean, I feel like the whole spiritually bankrupt. Like the, the, the people talk about, it, I was so demoralized, and I just felt like I don't know how I'm going to come back from this. And I thought, if I fail in this group, like if they kick me out from here, then I'm really screwed. Like I don't know where I'm going to go. Like, I, like I really don't know. My, my life is like pointless at this point, you know. So, and there was, and I came in so filled with resentments. I can't even tell you against so many people that I felt like had done me wrong, you know, and. Uh, I just hated them. I, oh, such hatred. Now, I can tell you that I want to like fast forward to what I've gotten and learned in program over. I've been here since again 2011. I've been abstinent since then, and my abstinence looks like three meals with two optional snacks, but most days it's really one snack. And um, I got a sponsor after a couple weeks after you know people said get one, and. Um, and so I'm happy and grateful to say that she's still my sponsor today. I picked someone who I would listen to, and I do listen to her. And um, and I picked someone who's you know, a little more alpha than me, you know. And um, so you know, I I worked the steps and I did these things. And um, I want to tell you that if you feel like you're struggling or anything or something's not right, the only wrong thing to do is to not come back keep coming back because there is healing that happens in this program. There is um, recovery. I mean, if it can happen for me, it can happen for anybody, really. I mean, like, I really felt pretty hopeless coming in here, you know, and it, was, it wasn't just about the food. Like, my life wasn't manageable. I, I, I didn't really come for the vanity. It came for the sanity because I didn't really think I was ever going to lose weight again. I just thought, okay, that's the end of it. As long as I don't gain weight, as long as I don't become like 100 pounds heavier than that's a win, you know. I just thought I would like to be more sane and like happier because I always remember people saying that this is a blueprint for living. We have a, you know, we have a good friend in Chicago where I'm from, who, at this point, she's been in clean and sober in AA for, I don't know, 35 years. I know something a long time, and she would always say things like, "It's a blueprint for living." Like, and I, I was like jealous of that. I wish I could be an alcoholic so I could <laughs> go to AA and like learn how to live because I don't know what to do. And um, but then, you know, I, I realized how always is that for me. It's it's the um, it teaches me how to live. So like, one of the things that you know, like that I want to talk about is is um, you know, we do service in this program, like the twelfth step. We we think of others before we think of ourselves and we try to put it out there. So what I never understood is how service, like, is the bigger picture. The bigger picture of service is connection. And connection is the thing I never learned how to do. I never learned that in my family of origin. Even though, you know, there's a lot, of, like, I could have a whole hour session telling, talking about my mother and that whole situation, but... Um, mm -hmm. And she was like gregarious in her way and had friends, but she didn't know how to connect. And she never taught me how to connect. And my father certainly didn't know how to connect. He, these are things they just didn't know. They didn't know how to do it. They thought they knew in their, in their way, but it was not anything really that helped me. Plus, when you add on top of it, you know, we look at our own personality types and traits. You know, I tend to be more introverted. I'm an isolator. And so it doesn't come naturally to like, be the life of the party, you know? So everything that we learn in here, all these these things that, like, the simple act of being the greeter at a meeting and saying hello to people, you know, I gotta tell you, that scared the hell out of me. I did every other service commitment before that. I was like the treasurer before that. Because it's hard and easy, you know? I mean, like, we're all eminently qualified to handle all these tasks, you know? We're all educated people, but 
you know, it's like, I don't want to be the greeter, you know, but I, I became the greeter. I did those things, you know, and I have to tell you that every single task that I've done in here has helped me be a more functional person in the world, in the outside world, because at work and all those types of things, I, I can be in a meeting or in a room where I don't know people, and I can introduce myself. I can have a little chat with somebody, and that came from this program. It didn't come from anywhere else, you know, and um, things like, um, you know, the pause. I, I, I have to talk about the pause. It's one of the most important qualities and, and sort of principles that I've learned in here, you know, that um, I, I tend to be reactive, and maybe you can relate, and like, I get triggered easily, and I'm angry, and it comes out, and like, I'll want to lash out and bark at people, and like, if I feel like I'm, like, the triggering often is a, like a disrespect, or being ignored, or like, why aren't you listening, and so I want to, I want to like, spout, you know, and um, I've learned that it's better to pause, Pause before hitting send because, you know, I'm one of those I could send a strongly worded email that it's just not a good idea. And I've learned that in here. And so, you know, the thing about the traditions that I really like is that um, it teaches us in a safe way how to learn to share opinions with others and listen to the opinions of others when they differ because they will differ. But the thing is, what I've also learned, because, you know, we have to learn by experience. You know, like we can understand a point, grasp it intellectually. But until you experience it, it doesn't sink in. And so I've had the sort of epiphany that, um, you know, you can have a strong opinion about something, but it's a very close cousin to intolerance, you know. And, um, yeah, I mean, sure, we all know that, that lots of people are opinionated and they're not tolerant of other people's opinions. But, but until you feel that in a room, like when you're listening to somebody and you're thinking, get out, like, I don't want to hear you, I can't be in the same room. It's like, no, like... That's not what we do in here. We let everybody have their say, and then the group prevails. And then we all have to live with the outcome of that, whether we like it or not, you know? And that's the ultimate form of people being tolerant of one another. You still don't have to like it, and you still don't have to agree with it, but you have to make room. You have to have space for it, you know? And this is something, this is a, an ongoing life lesson for me. Like, I don't, I'm when we t people talk about defects of character, I mean, again, it's the defect is an asset gone awry. So the, the being opinionated or stubborn or strong-willed or perseverant, this, this is an asset in many situations. But when it gets over the balance mark, you know, then it, be, it, it results in poor relationships with others, you know. And so, you know, for me, here's the deal. It's like, like the work, my higher power gets my attention in the work arena a lot because I get triggered there, you know? And so it's a very mixed bag of like being of service in the place and being a perfectionist, which is always a difficult matter and how to balance that and how to get along with others and how to, because you know, the thing is that, you know, we learn in the rooms that we, we don't tell people what to do. We can share our experience, strength and hope, except that when you're being paid to tell others what to do, there's a different kind of balance line, you know? I mean, when you're supervising their work and you're telling them, hey, you gotta fix this, it's a different, it's a different balance line. So I've learned in these rooms, through the, the gift of having sponsees, how to work better with people at work. Because 
I can now think of them as my work sponsees, you know, and I can think of them because I think of my real sponsees with love and kindness, you know. I mean, even though sometimes they can be irritating or whatever, they can say something that's annoying, but I still, I still, I still love them dearly, you know. I mean, like for me, God gave me sponsees. Like, I, first of all, when I first came to program, if, if some of you here, if you're not sponsors or you, you know, seem to have struggled with that, I never thought I would ever get a sponsor. I'm like. Who would want me as a sponsor? I mean, like, who would ever think of But I have a lot of sponsees. Like, I never thought that would happen. Like, I'm not the person that newcomers are normally attracted to. I, I kind of get people who are sometimes retreads. They've been through uh, the program a while, and they're like, okay, somehow they're willing, and they want they want me as a sponsor. It's like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Like, that's a God thing. Like, God gives you people. God gives you people in your life, in the program. And so sponsees have been a gift for me to learn how to connect, how to care about them, how to speak to them in a loving and kind way, even though I can be, I can say my opinion, and they know that, like my style is, is pretty straightforward, and so they they take it, like they don't, they know that I'm not trying to hurt their feelings or anything, and so um, I try to practice that with people at work who are, you know, sometimes very sensitive and whatnot, but they need to hear boundaries, people need to hear boundaries and but what's see what's funny about boundaries is another thing we learn in the rooms is boundaries but you know they work both ways you have to set them because I've always feel, felt like I've been the person on the side of getting the my boundaries violated but you know what I'm a good boundary violator too you know <laughs> if the truth be told so that's the thing it's like Everything works both ways. So when I'm feeling all disgruntled about something, I have to. The first question I have to ask myself is like, well, how have you done this? How are you doing? How does this apply to you? And you know, we always hear people say, well, if you spot it, you got it. If it makes you mad, you got it bad. And, <laughs> and if you, if it looks like, you know, if, if there's always something like that when somebody else is doing it, you have to look at what's your part, like. How do you do that? Because why does it make you so mad? You know, so I'm more willing to do that now. I never used to be. I was more the accusatory, like you're this and you're that, and look what you're doing. But now, you know. But at the same time, though, I can be. I'm the worst piece of you know what in the world, and that the world revolves around. But so it's the pride in reverse. You know, there's all of that stuff that we all do. But um, now, because of I can pause. And the big thing is I have other people that I can reason it out with. I mean, before, I, there was nobody to really talk to or people that didn't really have an objective opinion or objective perspective about what I'm saying, you know, that they either were very, you know, we all want to go to somebody who is going to agree with our point, you know. <laughs> but I think sometimes it's better to give it to somebody neutral who's going to say, well, what I hear this is this and this and this. And a sponsor is a really good person because they're not always going to agree with you. They're going to sometimes say, well, no, you know, maybe it's like this or maybe it's like that. But they also know how to give you support that you're not a bad person when you're going through it, you know. And um, so that's the thing. It's just, these are things that I'm learning how to do and program every day. And so I have tremendous gratitude for that, you know. And like to be in this room with all of you and, I mean, honestly, I never thought, like, if you would have told me, in 2011, day one in program, yeah, you're going to lead meetings and you're going to have sponsees and you're going to do all this stuff. You're going to be of service. You're going to help out, like at the birthday party. You're going to do all these. I'd be like, no, no, that's the wrong crystal ball. That's not me. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to do those things. And I, you know, it's so uncomfortable. Because again, I used to think of service as um, 
only obligation. It was something you did against your will, and it had to hurt. It had to be like, it had to feel bad, you know? <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't have to feel bad. It can feel good, you know? Because here's the thing. like, I don't like obligation. I still don't like obligation. I rail against obligation. But you know what? Obligation is a different thing than doing the right thing. I think sometimes we get those confused, or I got, the, got those confused, because you can do the right thing for you, and somebody else can be really mad about it and think it's a bad thing. And then, you know, you, there can even be a group of people who agree with that person and think, oh, you're bad, yeah, that you're not doing the right thing. You're doing the wrong thing. But you know what? They don't get a say. They really don't. And um, even if a whole group of people think you're wrong, you know, it's between you and your higher power. That's who, it's, that, who it is. Because, um, I mean, I can tell you that the whole thing, I've had the, the fortunate experience in the program of learning what it feels like to, to have hatred and resentment and have those things lifted, okay? I've, I, there are people, especially at work, that I just thought I'd never stop hating. And, you know, and but then I did stop hating them, and I could be in a room with them, and I could talk to them, and it's okay, you know. But I have to say that um, sometimes it depends where you start. Like, you know, a lot of people in the program tell the, the story of that with family of origin that it was terrible, it was awful, and then it got better and great, and they, they love each other and all that. Now, I'm here to tell you a, a slightly different story about that, and I, I think it's important to say that um, it doesn't always turn out that way, you know. I think, but from where you start. Before I started, I don't have to hate. I may not have a relationship with people. I may choose that. But forgiving in, in the sense of letting go of the hatred and resentment, that's, it says it in the OA 12 and 12 specifically. It's a separate decision than resuming a relationship with someone. So it's two separate things. That's, that's how I see it. You know? So you know, just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you're ever going to be close to them again or even be in their life at all. You know, and so I think that's a real thing for people, you know. So I don't know that, you know, I, I guess I'm uncomfortable with the expectation that just because you work the steps and make amends and do all these things, that it's supposed to be good with certain people like family of origin. Sometimes it's not, you know, and but you can still be at peace, and, that, and that's how it is for me. You know, I have peace around family of origin issues, even though I have not resumed relationships with most of those people. And, um, and that's okay, you know. Uh, now, are there people out there today who are judging me for it? Of course, you know. But um, I can't worry about that because I have to do what's right for me. Because sometimes being around, like, and again, this is something that I've learned in program, you know, is that being around certain toxic people, that's going to make me eat, you know. That's going to make me do self-harm in many ways. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something obsessive if I am forced to be under the obligation of a relationship that's really not good for me, you know? And um, so I'm just not going to do that anymore. Because you know, another reason is I'm too old. Like, how old do you have to be? Like, I don't want to be on my deathbed regretting that I spent time with people that I just was uncomfortable and I didn't like them. And it's like, I only want to be around people that I, I like their company. Now, there's enough times where, again, we have to be in tolerance. I mean, in the place of tolerance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That we have to, you know, like work, we have to be around people that we wouldn't necessarily choose to be around. Five minutes, thank you. Um, in our personal lives, but that's a different thing. In my personal life, I get to have choice about who I spend my time with, you know. And so these days, it's, um, 
I need to take it real easy, you know, and I'm not going to do things that are harmful to my recovery, to my, you know, sort of um, peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of body, you know. And so, again, you know, it all cycles back to the food because um, food is a thing that I do or did for comfort, for self-soothing, for as a way to cope with this world that I didn't know I have any skills around, you know. So now I have a toolbox. I can I have program. I have other people to talk to if I choose to reach out, which I do. And so, you know, that was one of the things like back to day one, my sponsor told me, I want you to go to five meetings a week. I want you to um, make two outreach calls a day. I want you to work the steps. I want you to call me every day. And so that one was like a, a real eye raiser for me. And I always like to talk about this because, I mean, for me, the phone is like a, a thing that I would actively avoid for all reasons. Like, there's no reason to ever be on the phone. And especially in my work, you know, my particular situation, it's like, if the phone rings, it's not a good thing. Okay? <laughs> it's only somebody telling me a problem that they want me to fix. So I don't like the phone, you know. So when my sponsor said, I want you to call me every day, I was like, why? You know, what, why do you want that? And, and so she gave me an answer that I, at the time, didn't know. She said, because it helps me work my 12th step. Because it helps me be of service and because I'm helping you work your program. I said, oh, okay, that's a good answer. And it also, it also made me, like, it gave me comfort that, like, I'm not bothering her. Because I really thought, like, I'm going to bother you. Like, you, why, why would, like, it's an obligation. Like, you, oh, you're like, oh, God, the phone's ringing, it's her. Like, what, why would you want that? But then, so I, I came to the understanding that, this is a nice thing. The phone can be nice, okay? It doesn't have to be negative. And it um, doesn't mean you answer it all the time, because that's why I got it in a voicemail. But, you know, it, it means that you do return phone calls. It means that you, have a, and you, you support the interaction with people. And that's, I mean, these are ways that I work my program. It's, it's service. It's connection with others. It's um, prayer and meditation. So I, I can't not talk about that. Like, I pray and meditate every day. And this morning, and I sometimes, you know, I listen to meditation, sort of guided ones. And then there's a zillion of them that you can pick. Like, I kind of let, like, God help me pick one, you know. And um, so I'll pick one, like a topic. Sometimes, like this morning, I picked one that was sort of opposite of what it was like. Oh, like it intrigues me, but oh, I don't think I want it. But then I thought, no, listen to that one. And it was a really good one, you know. And it was all about love and um, unconditional love. And I think that's, again, like the foundation of what we're doing here is, unconditional love for people which translates to tolerance like if I don't agree with your opinion I can still hold space for that opinion that's unconditional love I may not feel like I love you but that's what, what it's about is, is letting people be who they are in, in their way you know and, um, and with all of us following the ground rules of the traditions so that, that's, that's the good news about it is we get to have traditions and so again prayer and meditation um trying to practice these principles in all my affairs I really try to put out there what the program teaches me in in the world and is the, am I doing that perfectly absolutely not again I'm sure there's a long list of people who would sign their name to a document saying what an annoying person I am but <laughs> but I'd say that all things considered I'm a far nicer person than I was in 2011 and I have all of you to thank for that. So I think on that note, I will end, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say. This is the time for questions only. Um,
there's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do, do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, okay, I'm supposed to restate the question. Does anybody have a question? Yes. Thank you so much for your lead. Um, so you mentioned the, the family of origin shenanigans. How did, um, how did you get to a place where you could um, peacefully let that go? Okay, so the question is how did I get to a place where I could peacefully let the family of origin shenanigans go? Okay. Well, it's a long-winded answer. I mean, um, it took a very long time to, to get to peace. Um, it, and I have to say that um, probably the most peaceful state came with the passing of my mother. And um, so sometimes you get peace after people pass, you know, because it's done. And um, so she passed actually in... Uh, March of 2021 over COVID and um, and it's an interesting thing I almost never would have found out about it except for the, the way that God works it's just it's an odd story but um, there was peace after that I got closure and it was interesting that there were people um, kind of the last people left standing I had to deal with somebody there in Chicago who um a difficult personality that was always difficult. Even when I was a kid, I remember this man being a difficult personality, and that never changed. I mean, people are who they are, you know. And but now the guy is like he's like 95 years old, so it's even more difficult. And and so, but the thing was, you know what? My higher power wanted me to deal with him, and I did. And I mean, it wasn't anything big, but I it was that was part of the closure was to talk to him and kind of settle up a couple things about like I wanted some old photographs or whatever, you know. And um, and that was that. And so I talked to him and we worked it out. And that was, you know, it was, um, it was kind of, it kind of was very mild in that way. I mean, again, not easy, but, but there was peace. And, and I have to say my sponsor was super helpful at, during this time, talking to me and um, giving me space for, like, you know, telling the story to her of, like, how, you know, I mean, it just... The program really helped me go through that. Because, again, you know, grief takes on many forms. Like, I feel like I grieved the loss of my mother and parents and whatever um, a long time ago. You know, like the passing was just the um, sort of, uh, it was a formality, you know. And um, because there was so much grief with the relationship as it sort of existed for years and years that, um, so I guess the the long-winded answer to your to your uh, question is peace came in dribs and drabs but then the passing was sort of like a a marker so I hope that answers yeah you're welcome yes. um, will you explain a little bit more about the difference between obligation and doing what's right okay so the question is uh, to explain more what I talked about the difference between obligation and doing what's right you know that that's it's more of an insight that I like obligation feel it's, it's sort of like how do you know whether it's a higher power's voice or the disease talking because it's it, it's a, is it positive or is it negative you know is it feel comforting and kind or does it feel irritating and triggering and so i think obligation is irritating and triggering but doing what's right while it may be difficult there's a feeling of wholeness in your heart when you're doing it 
even if it's unpopular. You know, it's like, I know this is right. And I've had that feeling many, many times with things related to my mother, with decisions that I had to make, and where it was unpopular, but it was like, this is the right thing to do, you know. And um, again, popularity contest isn't going to be, it's the whole point of it. It's an inside job, you know. I think that's the thing about obligation versus doing what's right. Doing what's right, you're going to know in your heart it's the right thing. And sometimes that does align with what's, a, what's expected from people, and sometimes it doesn't. And so I guess when it doesn't, that's where the two things sort of differ. You take the different paths. I don't know. I guess that's, I mean, I guess to further that conversation would have to be with example, you know, and illustrate, illustrate by example, because, you know, it, it becomes philosophical, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the primary answer would be, do you feel it in your heart is the right thing to do? And does it feel, I don't know about good, but does it feel like, Hmm, that's it. Yeah, you know. So that's. Thank you for the question. Yes. Uh, thank you for your share. Um, can you talk about the how you reconcile the feeling of restricting while you're working towards a healthy body weight? Okay. So the question is, how do I reconcile the idea of restricting while working toward a, toward a healthy body weight? Okay. So diets don't work for me. You know. I mean, I can follow them because it's a perfectionism thing, but then it stops working because. There's no balance in it. So, I mean, everything about program is balance, including the food. So for me, um, I, don't, I don't keep anything out of my food plan. Like, I mean, but, but, but the road has narrowed for me. So there's some things that while some people are very strictly, like they don't eat sugar, they don't eat flour, they don't eat this or that. For me, that's not the case. But those things have become less prominent in my food plan. So um, I wouldn't say, like, like, Restricting, I mean, because I have restricted in my life. I've done that, you know. But um, I'm, I'm more of a compulsive, I'm more of like an overeater type. But, um, but I look for balance. And so for me, like for example, I'm one of those people, I can do a dessert once in a while, okay. It's not good for me to have a dessert every day. I mean, it's not like I couldn't do it on my abstinence, I could. But that's not good for me, okay? So, and it's not a restricting thing either. It's a balanced thing. It's like, I can have a dessert sometimes, but I can't have it every day. And for certain things, like, there's one thing, I, I just don't eat candy at work because that was a big deal. Like, um, I used to eat so much candy at work. I mean, it was like my, I was like mainlining candy because I was so a nervous wreck all day, you know? But now I just don't eat candy at work. I eat other things. Like, sometimes, like, for example, yesterday, somebody offered me a surprise mochi donut at work. Okay, and I wasn't expecting it, but you know what? I had it, and you know what? It was worth it, and it was okay. I don't need to eat one today. <laughs> you know, it was okay, and so um, I don't know if this is answering your question, but like balance, I would say it's working toward balance, and um, some things are just not worth it. So now I can pause long enough. They say for every year of absence, you get a second of pause, so I have like 11 seconds of pause. <laughs> so that, that means that I can pause long enough. Like, I, I, I rarely eat pizza anymore. I, I, I'm the person, I could eat the whole pizza, like there's no doubt, you know, and I like it, but I feel bad after I eat pizza. I do not feel good. So I just rarely eat it. So it's like not worth it. And I can, and I can be okay with that. So hopefully that answers, thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you. You spoke about, uh, unconditional love and tolerance to others. I wondered if you could talk a bit about how you worked on the same things for yourself. Okay, so the question is how do I work on 
uh, unconditional love and tolerance for myself. That's a harder thing to do. Yeah, that's and I that's a I'm still not quite at a place. You know, self-forgiveness is a big piece. And so now I think the way it comes out for me is um oh, for, okay, thank you. Um it comes out in the way of having tolerance for making mistakes. Because, again, the perfectionism, like, I'm not allowed to make mistakes. Even other people can't make mistakes. So, you know, you hear people say in program, like, oh, you would never be as mean to somebody else as you would be to yourself. That's not true. I would be just as mean to somebody (laughs) (laughs) And I have been, and that's why I'm not that, you know. But, um, But now, the thing is, I make mistakes, and they're embarrassing sometimes. And they're like, it's like, I've had to face up to my own mistakes in front of people that I would be horrified that they should see me make a mistake. And, and so the self-forgiveness comes from, you know what, you just acknowledge the mistake and be like, oh, all right, well, I screwed up. Like, let's, how do we avoid screwing up? So then the conversation, because it's usually at work is where it happens. And so I have to say something like, well, the way we avoid mistakes is we look at things twice, we do this, we I come up with reasons, like how, ways we're going to avoid doing this next time. But it still might happen again. And it's like, we're human. And so I give, I give room to other people. But here's my thing is like um, I get real judgmental about uh, if you're not giving your 100%, like if you're trying to cut corners, you know, that's my thing where I get triggered. It's like you, you get to make a mistake. Like I'm okay with that now. But you don't get to try to cheat. That's where I get real judgmental with people, you know. So this, this is the thing. But then I have to look at myself. You know, certain rules don't apply to me. You know, so this is the thing. Am I a hypocrite? Yes. You know, <laughs> kind of certain. I mean, of course, it's recorded, but like some traffic laws don't apply to me. You know, sometimes. But if you're doing it, no, that's bad. Okay, so. <laughs> so okay, self-forgiveness, like it's self-love, tolerance. It's like I guess it's just tolerating mistakes in other people and in myself the same way. It's like, and that's gotten better. It really has. The perfection has really, like, kind of died down, you know. So I hope that answers your question. Right. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes. Um, can you talk about your spiritual journey? My spiritual journey. Okay. My spiritual journey. I came into program believing in God, a higher power. But I'm not a religious person, so it wasn't in a formal way. It's just more of a spiritual way. So um, it's only been enhanced here because um, it, the 11th step encourages us to... Uh, nurture that relationship and so how do you nurture any relationship is you spend time on it you have interest in it you want to connect and so for me yeah I'm I'm glad you asked that question because um, a big way that I connect with my higher power is through writing I write letters uh, dear God letters like well not every day necessarily but frequently with great with multiple times per week and I sometimes do it like at work in my phone when I'm triggered I'm like dear God this is happening again like, what do you want me to do? I'm like a nervous wreck. I can't think straight. And so God, and I write God's answer back to me. And I do that, like in the phone, it's just the phone. But at home, when it's on paper, I do it with my left hand, my non-dominant hand. And that's a real helpful thing because it, um, it channels something from somewhere deep. And it's always a loving and kind message. And sometimes, again, it's funny with those messages, like, the left brain reads it and it's like, okay, that's BS. But then I read it later, like a few days later, and it's like it comes true. It's real. And there's something that feels real about it. And so that's the way that I connect with my higher power. Like I do that through prayer and meditation and the writing. The writing's a big way, though, because it's like I'm connecting with my higher power that way. And 
Um, my heart always promises me I'm here for you all the time, 24-7. Like, I'm always here. I'm helping you. I'm watching you. I'm, you know, and like, I need that. And so, you know, again, the whole thing about that is like, um, when people say that, you know, write a want ad for your higher power, when I do that, I realize, I mean, I learned a long time ago that I've been, ex- I've been making other people my higher power my whole life, you know, and um, that's the problem, is that other people, they can do some of those things some of the time, but not 24-7. Only the higher power can do it 24-7. And so I do believe in that. I, and that like, that's, where, that's where the comfort has to come from, because while other people can provide connection and we learn to live in a world together and we give each other love and approval and what all those things, that's not a full-time job for anybody to do for me. You know, not even my partner, not even, you know, like, that's not what we're here to do. Like, we're here to give each other love, but only the higher power can be the 24-7 comfort, you know. So that's my spiritual journey. Like, that's how I connect. And so that's, those are things I've learned in here to do. I mean, like before program, I, again, I felt connected to a higher power, but it was only through maybe reading books or, you know, I didn't have any practices. I didn't do any real... Um, connection and that's that's time okay but thank you so much um